This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome to Monday Twilight Show. I'm Hannah Wilson. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the school uniforms. So we're going to be looking at the facts and the reasons behind school uniform, what the positives are, what the negatives are, how to police uniforms, and how to get parents involved or the pluses and minuses of them being involved. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. Teaching is a rewarding profession but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, There's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. So tonight I'm going to be discussing uniforms and um, back... A couple of days ago, there was um, an article published in, I believe it was the um, Guardian uh, by Andre Spicer, um, which was entitled, Not Even Bankers Wear Ties and Blazers Anymore, So Why Should School Children? I think especially this year, as schools have tried to um, put their policies in place, there's been a lot of backlash, especially in the news in terms of parents going and saying my kids are missing school because of um, their uniform or they're not in lessons because of their uniform. Um, And it's really hard to kind of manage uniform and get it right, I think. Um, So it's it's kind of one of those, like what is the purpose of school uniform? Is there still a place for it? Do we still need it? And and what what needs to change about it? Is it, does it need to be adapted and move forward at this point? Um, so, um, in the article, he talks about that his daughter was, um, given special dispensation to take off a blazer, uh, cause it was 30 degree height. She was one of the lucky ones. Other schools were not allowed to, um, and children were given detentions for taking their blazers off in sweltering heat. Um, now I know majority of the schools that would they have a summer policy that if it's over a certain temperature that students don't have to wear blazers. We have that at our school that in summer they don't have to wear their blazers. Um, so I think it very much depends on the school and it might just be that um, not necessarily that they weren't told that they couldn't take them off or that they just needed them on for a certain point or something like that. So I think majority of the schools are then leaning in the respect that they'll let students take them off. But um, he goes on to say the list of observed rules about sh- how students should look in British schools is almost endless. 
um, with loads of uh, stories on Mumsnet about um, intent on micromanaging the most minor aspects of children's appearance. Um, when the, the most only justification is that it's to help them prepare for the real world. But actually, that's not what the real world is like. And um, in fact, only 5% of workforce actually have uniforms in the British uh, workplace. Um, most places have casual dress. Um, <laughs> with even 30% saying that they will do it in their pyjamas. Um, I don't think we need students in pyjamas, though. I think that's going a little bit far. Um, but the sale of formal wear attire has declined by 40% in the last five years. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with uh, COVID. But it is quite interesting. Do, do we still have a place for school uniform? And do we need to be so strict on it and have so many sanctions with it? That's the interesting thing. I'm being joined by Karis. Can you hear me, Karis? Yeah, I can hear me. Oh, you're a little bit quiet. You can go just a little bit close to the microphone. It's also my uh, downstairs. Oh, you're still a little bit quiet. Oh, I can't hear you very well. Ah, oh, she's going to try again. Um, so Karis is going to come and join me. She's she's told me in advance that she's got some interesting opinions on school uniforms. So I'm intrigued to hear what she has to say. Um, but I do agree that the upfront cost of school uniform is extortionary and very expensive and that's kind of creates like a barrier for education for poorer families but is that also the aspect in terms of if we allow them to buy their wear their own clothes that then there's going to be this hierarchy among students with who wears lab which design labels and which ones and does that need to be policed um, so it is kind of how do we do it but Uniform policies were increasingly lax with only a, in 1987 that it began to change and it was the catalyst um, after outlawing corporal punishment. So is this is this the last bit that is still kind of lingering from that time um, within it that actually we need to seek to kind of change this and create a time where there are more guidelines that allow personal expression and choice rather than following one size fits all kind of rules and we have got the kind of extreme of that that we have issues with schools trying to sanction it um for example i've got an article from earlier this year where there was chaos as hundreds of students were held in detention for wearing the wrong uniform um and a secondary school near sheffield faced heavy criticism from parents after a number of pupils were held in detentions and taken out of school days for the new term for not wearing the correct school uniform um and i i kind of do agree i get the frustration that students shouldn't miss out of lessons for not wearing the correct uniform but how do we get them to wear the, the correct uniform if they don't karis can you get there now oh that's better yeah yeah I did. I had to mess about with my settings, but I'm here now. So, for for context, I'm I can wave through the window to Karis because you're opposite <laughs> my amazing neighbour, uh, who's gladly uh, come on to chat about this. Do you want to give a background into um, your kind of teaching background? So, I've been teaching for twenty three years, which is really disturbing. 
um, obviously did my teacher training in Scotland um, and then moved to England. I have worked in every setting I think there is imaginable. So I've worked in EBD, I've worked in state, and I currently work in the independent sector. Um, yeah, and I've been a head of science, I've taught I've taught primary, I've taught every age, everything really, to be honest. <laughs> Not much to say. I mean, I don't think there's anything I haven't done apart from maybe teach PE. <laughs> That's the thing, you've seen, you've seen every type of uniform going and I'm, I'm intrigued because you told me you had a very interesting opinion on um, uniforms so I'm going to let you start with that and then we can have a little chat about it. Um, I find, I don't know as, as the older I get, I think I find that I've got very strong views on things but I find that uniform is a method of control. Um, so I see uniform, the, so in my 23 years of teaching, I've seen the phasing in of like polo shirts and jumpers um, and then the phasing out of that because of the need to control children's behaviour and uniform is a method or a mechanism in which we can sort of keep children in their place. And I find uniform, I find uh, the whole concept of uniform from a teaching point of view really uncomfortable that I'm asked to police it like I'm told what a child should wear because that will affect their behaviour and I don't think necessarily that uniform affects behaviour. I think there's a whole host of things that affect behaviour from class sizes being the number one. Um, and I'm starting to feel more and more that uniform is redundant as well when you look at what the children are asked to wear. Um, so they're wearing ties, most of the time clip-on ties. They will never wear that in their real life in context. So you're not teaching them a skill in that uniform. I suppose to a certain sense, you're teaching them how to be smart, but they're wearing clip-on ties so that you can control the legs of their ties. They're wearing skirts that have got labels on them so you can control the legs of a girl's skirt. I find that really uncomfortable. Um, and I find... I. Do you know what? I actually genuinely, I genuinely find it incredibly important that this is the way we've gone with it. Um, it's such a mechanism of control. And if you look at how fashion or humans have changed since COVID, no workplace tends to have a strict sort of policy of clothing. More people work from home. They wear much more relaxed clothing. Um, if you look at, for example, the city, the financial circuit they don't wear ties anymore yet, yet we expect children from the age of like seven in the independent sector to be able to wear a tie i just i find that really bizarre and we have this fascination with skirt lengths that i again i find really i find it says more about us than it does about children and i think i don't think it teaches children how to how to actually become a agents of themselves it doesn't help them develop personality or individuality if anything what we're saying to children is you must stick to the herd you must follow our rules and these are our rules and I it's honestly like quite prison like by it's the way it's even going it's I mean we've gone right down to the minutiae of what the shoes should look like and Children are not daft. They know exactly which children have money, which children don't have money. They will always circumvent the system. They will always have a cooler backpack or a more expensive shoe. So this idea that we do it to streamline the herd, 
um, to make everybody also believe that they, like, for example, you have, you go to that school, therefore it's that school identity. That's an utter nonsense. That's not how you de- develop school identity through uniform. You de- you could do that through sports uniform. You don't necessarily have to do that in a day-to-day uniform. And I think in countries where they have no uniform, sorry, Hannah, I haven't going one. No, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm waiting and then I'll... <laughs> no. But I mean, countries, you look at countries like Germany that have no school uniform. Um, children know how to dress for the weather. And in this country, if we have a non-school uniform day, it's like the wheels have come off. Society has literally collapsed. And, you know, like we have men in the staff room, again, which don't get me started on this one, going on about the lengths of girls' tops. Like, like that's a thing. Like, just let children wear that they want to wear. But so say, for example, take Germany from the, that have no uniform rules. Children learn from a very young age to wear clothes that are appropriate and also comfortable and for the weather. Here, our children have no concept of what yeah. is a warm outfit because well, they, they have no way of expressing their individuality. And I think 23 years, I'm starting to see like it's becoming more and more like a prison state, um, this idea of how we police children's uniform and I got into teaching because I loved my subject I love teaching children I don't want to spend 20 minutes of a lesson going tuck your shirt in wear your blazer I mean for goodness sake that's not teaching that's policing and it just- yeah I've, I've got to the point where I'm like right I'm only going to say it to three kids in the corridor because I just feel otherwise I literally spend all day or I'm like I'll tell what one kid is a warning because we're meant to do it and I'm like I don't want to spend my whole day telling children off for like tucking a shirt in or pulling a skirt down because a lot of it as well as with the skirts I, I I do agree that they need to be a certain length and I but I'm like especially I'm year 10 so the kids in my tutor group they're all little skinny beans they've got tiny waists and so therefore they're wearing small skirts but they don't have the length on them and that's not a them issue that's a, a manufacturing issue that that's what they is in the shops for school shirt skirts and it's like yes I'd, it would be nice if they were a little bit longer but they're going to wear what they're going to wear and it's it's damaging the relationship that I'm having with them having to every day tell them off but then there isn't anything after that because I don't, I'm not going to put them in detention because it's a waste of everybody's time. It's not going to solve anything, and it's not going to it's it's not going to improve their learning having a longer skirt. I think it's such a police culture. I find that that whole concept of policing what a child wears really uncomfortable, and especially when it comes to girls. Maybe it's the feminist in me that says it, it says more about the person in the staff room who says, "Oh my God, the girls' skirts are really short," and you're thinking. What are you doing looking at the lengths of girls' skirts? How dare you? Can't you take yourself out of that of a context? That's a child. You shouldn't be looking at the length of their skirt. It should, if it makes you uncomfortable, that says more about you as a person. You should be able to look at that person and see that, recognize that that's a child and not uh, take it into that sort of like weird pseudo context that people, and I'm, I hate, well, some people tend to go down about how girls dress and, and link that dress to behaviour. It's, yeah. it's nothing. You know, I just think they're trying to express who they are as individuals. But there is that 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 aspect of it. I can't remember, I was watching a TV show that was about um, young girls and uh, kind of harassment around them. 
And there is a thing that like, I, I found really, really shocking that if you Google boys' school uniform, it just comes up with normal school uniform. It comes with links to websites for school uniform. But if you type in girls' school uniform, it's all Halloween costumes and sexualized costumes and mini dresses and, and midriffs out and pigtails and, and links to inappropriate things. And I was like, I found that quite interesting that the, the girls' school uniform is this sexualized thing. And actually, by forcing them to wear it, we are sexualizing them in telling them and dictating them what to wear. And also we're telling them that, that by saying, oh, your skirt's too short. We're also sexualizing. They know what they, what you're saying by saying that to them. They're like, oh, all right. So you're saying that my skirt, I, you know, you're giving them that sort of connotation, that negative connotation out there. And I hate it when particular staff in the staff room say, oh, well, the girl's skirts. And you think, do you know what? You need to button it up because... That's a child, and if you're t- if you're looking at a child's legs, I've got serious issues. I've got safeguarding issues going on here, and it's, it says more about you as a person than it does. Because I think the only reason I'm looking at a kid's skirt is because I've been told to to check the lengths. I've been told to look at it, and and I feel uncomfortable about that. So I can't imagine how a male kind of tutor would feel that they have to kind of police it and look at it on a daily basis and say that to students. Like we're putting ourselves in quite uncomfortable positions by kind of making ourselves kind of check on it. I think, yeah, and I just think that it's a, it purely that it's got a, it's gotten out of control. And now I will be honest with you, I am a mother and I have two teenage daughters, and I do follow the school rules, and I I find myself internally like having this shouting battle. Um, so this morning both girls tried to leave the house and their shirts were like one half in half out trying to I don't know what it was but I know that they're going to get checked on that for school so I as a parent said well, tuck your shirt in because you're going to get into trouble when you get to school so make sure you look smart and I'm thinking inside my head go for it girl get that shirt out because <laughs> when do you wear a shirt actually tucked in like I generally wear shirts out if I'm going to wear a shirt and I have never worn a tie and I've never worn a, bl- a polyester blazer. I mean, get honestly, in this day and age, we're, sorry, my ran is horrific. You know? Yeah, go for it. When we think about what we're teaching the children about fast fashion and about responsible fashion, we're telling them to basically buy these horrible man-made fibers because they're cheap. Goodness knows where they're manufactured, by the way. Um, and again, it's it's never going to get worn it's going to get dumped in landfill or passed on down through the chain and I just don't understand it's not a life skill you're not going to go grow up and yes you may wear some sort of smarter attire but for the most part even as teachers we don't dress there are I mean take my husband who loves the suit don't get me wrong but there are some teachers who love to wear a suit but for me I'm I'm comfortable I'm moving about it's a job where you're physically on the move. So wearing like a skirt and tights and, you know, all those things that we're expecting children to wear, it's not always practical. And I also think it's not practical for the children. It's not practical in the winter weather. It's, I I just don't understand it. I just, I, I wish we could just, but we couldn't get rid of it because I know if we got rid of it, it would be an utter free-for-all because we've never taught children how to how to dress appropriately. And you can see it. I don't know. Do you have a sex form? We don't, no. But I have at previous schools, and and 
they do for the most part kind of dress there but there is the bit at the start where they are kind of pushing it and exploring and kind of like what to wear what not to wear but sometimes they'll come in and wear inappropriate things and then they're a little bit embarrassed that they went for that and then the next week they're kind of sorted oh and then they start wearing comfortable clothes and I just think if we could do the same to children I think they would learn to wear clothes that were comfortable and I think parents wouldn't be caught in this horrific trap of buying something that they don't necessarily want to buy that they can only afford to buy one of by the way because it's expensive you know like if you go to Primark you can buy packs of t-shirts you can buy hoodies you can buy really comfortable clothes quite cheaply you cannot buy a blazer cheaply unless you're second hand you can and I mean like it's just to me just doesn't make sense and we're not it's not I I'm I'm sick of the we're teaching them life skills no we're not these are not life skills these are these are it's a mechanism of control it's a mechanism of punishment well that's what i said when you um i was just reading it out just um in the point where you're sorting out your um microphone the um that actually in this guardian article the guy said it discusses about how this is kind of the last remaining thing that was put into place before corporal punishment was taken out and and the cane and stuff and actually this is kind of the one thing that's left from that kind of generation because teachings evolved so much generally since then but this is that last bit of that power and that regimen that's kind of left. Uh-huh. And, I, and I feel particularly for children who are exploring their identity, who are not sure, perhaps in gender, sexuality. School uniform gives you absolutely no wiggle room. You stick out like a sore thumb if you have to, you know, if you have to choose how you want to dress. There's no wiggle room. There's no ability to self-express there. And I think, and it's and it's the other thing of, of teenage girls growing as well. Like I remember at school being mortified of the, of when my breasts grew and I couldn't and buttons would pop open or gape and stuff. Like it's not made for like they're not made for comfort. No, I mean a white blouse. Who who in their right mind thought that was a sensible idea? I would never wear a white blouse. Um, uh, with and I mean I have the same. I don't want to let out my children, but you know like. We have this conversation about the type of you have to be the paddy brand underneath it because it's, there's no other way round about it. Because they're very thin, aren't they? Very thin. So you're not even allowing the children to uh, to have a comfort of a choice of underwear, really, to a certain extent. I don't know. This is people love uniform, and I I get it's, it's simple. You get up, you put it on, and you walk out the door. But I think I'm starting to feel the older I get, the more I think it's just. It's so archaic and so ridiculous. I can't wrap my head around it. And we spend hours filling out, we spend hours sending you as a parent all these guidelines about shoes and what to wear for pee and stuff like that. At the end of the day, we just want our girls to take part in sports. So does it really matter what they wear? I mean, but I think one of the biggest barriers, and there was this um, interesting, I don't know if you saw it, it was in a Scottish thing, this just shows you. It was, um, I think it was in the STV, and it said something that was quite a high statistic in Edinburgh of children not going to school during the week on certain days because they only had one uniform and it wasn't clean. Yeah. I just think that if you were allowed to wear your own clothes, you wouldn't have that issue. Sorry, my phone's sleeping. But you wouldn't have that issue. You would be able to, um, you know, you could be able to wear whatever you wanted comfortably. Because you you could buy three or four outfits that could last, you know, a whole week rather than having this one outfit that you only wear 
just to this place for and that was quite interesting because I researched was researching school uniform. And the thing that I didn't expect to find was actually the they did loads of tests on school uniform, and actually it's incredibly unhygienic because they wear it so often and don't really necessarily wash the blazers and stuff. They're like as unhygienic as like the underside of a toilet seat in terms of germs, and they just actually school uniform is so high in germs. And then when you think about it that way, no wonder these kids are always sick. And uh, we think it's because of the school environment and they're passing it around. But actually, probably the fact that they wear the same blazer day in, day out and don't change it is also contributing. Yeah, wait, they're always in their sleeve. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, we've all seen it. It happened. But I, ju- I want somebody to explain to me. I'm sure my husband, too, is a deputy head teacher, but either way will say that uniforms are, is important and it helps identity and all of those sort of things, particularly the independent sector love that. They love that sense of identity with it. But they have a different system for uniform. Like if it, they also have tons of it, you know, like if a child loses something, they've got absolutely whack loads that they can pull out of a bag and give to. So children don't have that sense of discomfort. They also, in the independent sector, have less of an issue about hand-me-downs. Um, so a lot of children comfortably wear brothers, sisters, whatever, because everything's labelled, so you know that they're wearing their cousin who left, cousin Johnny who left 15 years ago, uh, is jumper. And they're okay with that. But uh, I find within the state sector, children, they, they, want, they don't want to be seen as poor, so therefore they want brand new. Yeah, we we've got we've got swap rails at this school at school this year that we've started where we got old students to donate their uniform back and actually I was really surprised by how much we still got and that kids just aren't using it or aren't interested in it that they they all want their new items and they're quite happy just to have one blazer I'd rather have them one second hand and one new one so at least I can swap them and rotate them round. Yeah, I mean the blazers. I mean. God love them. I've, I've managed to get mine through the tumble dryer, which was, it, once I worked out that I could do that, I was like, yes, this is a game changer. But um, I find that I can only have, as a working mum, you can only have really two sets of uniform and rotation to get through the wash. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of stuff. And it's a lot of stuff to keep track of as well. Um, whose is whose? And, and um, I've only got two children, but there are people who've got like, for children, I mean, how do you keep track of all that and make sure they've got the right stuff, the right shoot? And no, couldn't do it. And it's same like with even the younger years. Like I, I, th- I think an Airtex is much better than a shirt. But all primary school teacher children basically have white Airtexes. As I, I know from having a six-year-old, that that is not going to stay white for very long at all. And it's like I'm, I'm, I'm. I remember um, somebody saying to me, "It's like, oh, but they've got a mark on it." I was like. Yeah, but it's clean. I've washed it. I'm not sending them to school in dirty stuff. They've got new, it's freshly washed and cleaned. It's just the fact that he got a stain on it painting on the very first day he wore it. But I'm not going to go buy a new white uniform just because I can't get the stain out. But he's, it's not like he's wearing dirty things. I know. I once had a honour where I had to take a child to the dentist in the middle of the day and return them to school. And they had, uh, they've got blood all down their white shirt. And I mean, it was never coming out. I mean, you just think, why are we making children wear white? What is the logic of this? Um, yeah, and I, I quite often, I do the whole thing when I've got little children and I'm sending their stuff home. 
at the weekend. I always say, can you get your dad to put it in a nice cool wash? Because I was like, why do we always tell children to give it to their mums to wash it? <laughs> no, give this to your dad. Take your games at home to your dad. Give it to him to wash. And then you always get about four children. My dad doesn't know how to work the washing machine. That's not the point. Take it. Tell him he needs to learn. I know it's all about breaking down gender stereotypes, people. Um, but I just, the whole thing, I find, I think this move, and I, I, what I, I'm hate to invoke the Catherine Verbal thing, lady, but I, I find this negative um, attitude towards children, like children need to, it's, it's teaching them obediency. That's what we're, that's what we're down to. We're down to, we've lost control, so we're going to teach obediency and we're going to teach them like Pavlov's dogs. We're going to teach them to walk in silence, eh, come in, stand up when a member of staff comes in, um, in silence. Um, and I just think in this uniform that's going to be pristine, when you think about no other situation apart from prisons, <laughs> and you'll say, wait a minute here, these are children. And we're thinking these children have mental health issues because, because of COVID, if anything, what we should be doing is creating a, a nurturing environment. We've got attendance issues coming out of our ears. Um, and I genuinely think a lot of it is down to the fact that we have this real negative culture towards children. And it's, it starts with the clothing and it works its way through. Um, we, and we, the teachers who survive are the ones who create the good relationships and who get kids. Um, and I think we need more of that, developing relationships and looking at how to support children rather than how to beat them down from every single angle. That's the thing. I'd much rather that our students have equipment and do equipment checks and make sure that they're they're ready to learn for the lessons. And then I, I always just stock them up anyway um, if they don't or make sure they've got their reading book and they're actually reading and make sure they know how to use the planner and how to log their homework. Like they're much more important life skills, like organisational skills than being able to dress themselves. Definitely. Definitely. And dress them themselves in something that they will never wear again in life. They usually And that's the my school um allowed for the first time this year that our students can wear black trainers, uh, but they need to be like the leathery type ones because they've become quite fashionable. Um and and it's not made a, a difference them them wearing them. The only thing is that the girls said that they find them a bit annoying with wearing tights, so they wear tights and then socks and then their trainer shoes. But like, it's not made a difference what type of shoe they wear. Um, and I asked some of my students earlier. I was like, "What would you change about our uniform?" And one girl went, "I'd quite like to wear white socks every now and then." Um, it's like the fact that they could, I was like, I don't know whether that rule is purely as some mother has gone, right, I'm not washing any more white socks so they don't stay clean. I'm banning them as school uniform. But it does seem bizarre that like they can't even, like even uh, if you were in business, you'd wear like little, maybe some little fancy socks. That's how you show your, your yourself, but it's a little bit hidden. I was thinking if that's the one thing you would change about uniform, that's really great. It shows, it just shows how we've trained them into, you know, like you must follow the rules. <laughs> um, I just, I find it fascinating. I just, I don't, I also don't understand the clip on tie. I understand the clip on no. tie from the perspective of it makes everybody look the same, but it's not an item of clothing you're ever going to wear. It's <laughs> not, why are we wearing this? I mean, yeah. And I don't understand why girls aren't allowed to wear cardigans by their force. Yeah. wearing a jumper or 
And the whole V-neck versus round neck, is that really going to make that much difference? I know. I know. I, I genuinely want to know what statistic is out there that shows that wearing uniform affects behaviour because I, I can't see how... I can't see how it done. Um, but... Well, I have got some statistics for you. Do you want some? I feel like you're going to tell me, but I just... I don't feel like it's true. I feel like there's got to be some issue with the statistics. <laughs> um, well, to be fair, this is a, this is an American document, but it does talk about kind of British schools. Um, what? Where's the bit we've got? So it talks about kind of the average price of um, schools. And then it also says that, that because of the price and costing, that uh, the Children's Society in the UK also found that 23% of parents have sent their children in ill-fitting, unclean or incorrect uniform because of the high cost of buying new ones. And I think everyone feels that towards the end of the school year and it's like, you're growing, but you're going to grow more over the summer, so I'm not buying you anything now. Yeah, no, I'm not buying you shoes because you only wear them to school. Why not have shoes that they could wear in lots of situations? Yeah. And that's the thing I found quite shocking that it's actually the primary schools that generally have um, the highest in- indices in uh, their school uniform policy with 23% of primary schools, um, 18% of middle schools, and then 10% of high schools. Whilst um, when it gets more relaxed, when students get older, um, that it appears that the dress code policies are often not necessary or absent. So where they've kind of kept a bit of a dress code but relaxed it, that the children actually kind of more adhered to it than actually when it was stricter. So there, there is that part of it. Um, where are some of the other bits? It's like you say about sex form. I mean, there's a sort of, there's an un, well, every sex form slightly different, but if there is, you know, a policy is there, the, the children, they know what they're wearing, they know what they're wearing it for. And I just, I don't know, I could go on about this first. Um, and then it also said um, that the um, having sports uniforms increases the participation in physical education so apparently the relationship between school sports uniforms and participation um, so that there was significant reduce reduction in second in activities among students who wore uniforms so I think that means that like they're more likely to kind of participate if they get to pick what kind of uniform they wear when they do their sports um which i think not against i'm not against p uniform to a certain extent i i get p uniform because that's your part of a team and that's team identity and i understand that um because you need that obviously if you're playing for a team you need to wear the right kit so therefore i get it but i like for example at the girls school they can wear any black leggings this baby top and some of them will wear shorts and as long as they're wearing polo top yeah then they'll show does it really matter you just want them to take exactly and and I've spoken to that on other shows like getting especially girls to kind of connect with sport and and kind of create something that it's not just this kind of playing netball and stuff but there is more of a lifelong health benefit to it yeah um so this says um 72 percent of parents and 86 percent of school officials believe 
platform minimizes peer pressure um, and that otherwise the, the students have a feel of the need to dress cool. And I think, but like you said, they have that aspect in the fact that they have their pencil cases and their bags. And when I spoke to some of my very wise-minded year 11s today, they said it would be much nicer if they could wear their own clothes, but it'd be nice if there was a policy that it was like they had to be unbranded. So therefore there was no like, oh, that person's wearing that designer shirt, but other people can't afford it. But you could wear what you wanted, but it just had to be unbranded. And I, I like the idea of like children actually having a say. I think that's that's incredibly important. And I think the thing that I find interesting about your last statistic was parents think that. And again, it's this lack of children having agency, lack of um, students having voice or saying what they think. Because I always, I mean, I grew up in an incredibly impoverished area. And you are aware of who has money and who doesn't. It doesn't matter what uniform you've got on. So it's it peer pressure. Yes, there is peer pressure to fit in. But you already know there is already the hierarchy, unfortunately, there. Um, whether there's school uniform or whether there, is, there isn't school uniform. Um, and that's the sad, sad, horrible fact of life. And particularly with the widening gaps that we're seeing um, that, I mean... Parents are put under huge amounts of pressure just to buy those particular um, black trainers. And I get that. Um, but I think the whole cost of uniform as a whole is just, it's its not feasible, particularly where they've asked for specific branding. Like the school skirts, I believe, are £22. I should have looked this up. They range from 16 to £22. And if you're buying three, four skirts and you've got two children... For something that they're not, they're going to grow out of quite quickly. It's not, it's not feasible. It's it just becomes it's, a bit. No, I've got um, on average the UK best based on the Children's Society. They surveyed about thousand parents, and they found that parents spent on average about three hundred thirty-seven pounds a year for school uniform. So it, it is just an extortionate amount, and that's probably just at the start of the year. That's not topping them up and buying them new shoes when they've worn through and things like that. No, exactly. And I just think, I, why are we doing it? What is the point? And they'll say it's so that they've got the school identity, the sense of pride that they go to that school. Now, children, and they don't have pride of their school. No. <laughs> it's logical. We have pride as teachers. They're very proud of our school. We want to see all the amazing things. And to a certain there is a sense of pride, but it's not based on their school uniform. Um. And if anything, I've noticed school uniform is bizarre. It's bizarre colours as well. You you really get a sense of a nice school uniform. You think, oh, that's a colour I would like to wear. You know, uh, quite often it's really bizarre greens and golds. And uh, that's just, no, it's horrid. I don't would never be seen. I mean, my school uniform, and I know, Hannah, you probably have some terrible school uniform uh, from your own school days. Mine was green and gold. I mean, who would want to be seen in that? No, thank you. Uh, but now I look and see my same school has gone to black and purple. And I think, oh, that's quite nice. But um, yeah, but they've got less adherence towards the jumper thing. And the, it, it just seems slightly less rigid um, where I'm from in Scotland. It just feels like we're very That's the thing. I, 
my old school, I had a, I had a green kilt at one school and then I had a green and navy kilt at the second. And I quite like the green and navy kilt. But then when I got to sixth form, we did have to wear, we got to wear suits, but we could pink, pick uh, skirt suits or trouser suits. And I quite enjoyed that because I liked going and getting my pencil skirt suit and I, I felt like proper businesswoman. Um, but yeah, I probably only ever wear that now for interviews. And like you said about the tie, the only time people really wear ties these days are kind of weddings almost. Um, so it's like, and my kids, they were like, um, they've got green ties, but then we have green blazers in lower school and black school, black ones at key stage four. So we can tell the difference and they have different color ties depending on what year they are. But I can't remember what color tie is what year. And um, but the year 11s were like, it'd be nice if we had black ties so they actually match the blazer. Like we don't even coordinate. Um, but I just don't think, I don't think ties are necessarily relevant unless it was like, we've also got prefect ties. So it's like that they earn them and they've got that pride of kind of wearing them, I guess. There's this um, this need to follow what they, they look at the independent sector and they go, wow, they're doing really well. Let's follow what the independent sector does in terms of like they wear quite a rigid uniform. And actually, the reason the independent sector does well is nothing to do with uniform. It's yeah. completely down to class size. And and extracurricular activity options, because that's been proven to increase by at least one GCSE grade if they participate in outside sport and activities. It's, it's not, they're not kind of aiming it at the right thing. But like this, this kind of... Co- uh, links with what you said earlier this uh, was a study by Trutex they found that 90% of 94% of UK teachers it was only a sample of 180 so it wasn't that many said that the school image um, is improved in the community when the kids wear school uniform so I suppose there's there's that side of it that's a positive I again it's it's probably trying to appease we're trying to appease the the elderly people in the street because we don't want to be seen to be teaching ruffian. Um, again, it's it's nobody's addressing what children want or what children need or the the fact that they are in quite a physical environment. They're moving quite a lot, and like you see, they're wearing unhygienic clothing that's not fit for purpose. But it's all right because uh, Auntie Anne in the street doesn't feel threatened when she sees somebody wearing a shirt and a tie compared to if she sees somebody in a hoodie. I mean, it's, it's, I just don't get it. I mean, I think, I think we've got to stop appeasing that sort of culture and, and, and stop looking at children as if they're out to get us because they're not. They're, you know, as well as I do, that teenagers are absolutely marvellous and bonkers and they should be celebrated. And I just think we're beating them. I do. But anyway, what was I going to say? I, I don't suppose you've just seen uh, the wonderful Gillian Keegan has just banned mobile phones in schools. Yes. Well, it's still at headmaster discretion, apparently, but that's what they're suggesting people do now. So again, I, I mean, we've all got that's a completely different show, but I, I think what it does is it shows this need to control, and I find that again, it's this need to be in charge. We're in charge of these children. Okay, I had Tim. Can we just teach them, please? Can we just have the resources, the buildings, the enough teachers to actually teach them and spend less time looking, um, supporting multinational companies who produce school uniform uh, and actually stop policing them like they're 
affordable little things who if they don't dress smartly they'll completely misbehave the whole country will melt down you know I just I'm I'm yet to find something positive about school uniforms apart from it makes people feel better because children are I, I agree. I think it's, but it is one of those, like, do we say then if they do wear their own uniform that it's not hoodies because that kind of hood up kind of is, can be seen as daunting in the community. Um, but the upside, I have seen a thing um, following that thing about banning phones is that one school did it and they said that actually, and I think it was to do with their sixth form. They said, actually, they saw sixth formers sitting at break time, actually, talking and having conversation rather than all sit there on their phones and not sat with each other but not talking to each other so i think there's a positive with that but i do i don't i don't see the positive um of kind of keeping them trapped in that that uniform yeah and like you say when you went back to it it's it's the last vestiges of court punishment it's a it's a mechanism to keep keep children and i think it's such a minefield to the parent to sort of like navigate and I just think that it's so archaic and so wrong and I think what they did in the 90s when they brought in the polo shirts were you you probably just starting out doing your teacher's training <laughs> shirts in the, in the jumpers um, and I'm thinking of one high school I think that still does it just Tabram High School I think they still do it sorry if I just no no that's fine yeah they do and they'd still do it um, but you still get the old lady in the street goes, oh, that that doesn't look very smart. But in actual fact, it doesn't make any difference. No, because you don't need to tell them to tuck it in and stuff either. I quite like that. Oh, and I was at a, a certain school um, uh, that D'Souza was in charge of and they had, um, they brought in really, really long um, kilts. So the idea was they were between the knee and the, ankles so that therefore kids couldn't roll them up the kids did roll them up and they became like massive kind of chunks around their waists um but it was very hard for them to get them above the knee just to get them to the knee they had to roll them probably about five or six times um but i just think no matter what you do there's there's the kids are always going to find a way around it yeah and we're exhausted i just feel like we're exhausted and we're having to deal with it um and you should honestly I, I laugh every time I have to stop and help um, um, year three with a tie. I think I find that fascinating and then dependent sector that they still force these tiny little and girls as well as boys to wear a proper tie. Um, yes. Um, and they can barely tie their own shoelaces, but yet they have to wear a tie. I just That's a really good point. Um I did have I did find on teacher tab. Um, they had a survey, um, I think it was a couple of years ago, um, but they asked, um, was there a uniform infraction by a student in your class today? And fee-paying teachers, there was only 42% said there was a, a uniform infraction, whereas in the most deprived schools, it was up to 71%. So you're like kind of 30% more likely to have a kid in having poor uniform they come from a deprived background but I guess that goes to the thing that they're they're not going to be as organized and supported in the morning and getting dressed and getting to school and then if that kid gets to school and then they have that negative experience as soon as they get in going oh your uniform's a mess and it's going to set their day off in like a really negative way I find as well in the independent sector you've got so many checks and balances before it I mean I'm not saying the parents are more supportive in many ways um, 
you know, more helpful in many ways. It's very much like you paid them because I'm paying you to, to a certain extent. And children will come in looking absolutely dishevelled, but the teacher will sort it out. And because they've got time, because they've only got 12 in their classroom, so they have time to help that child find whatever shoes they've lost or their blazer or whatever, and they can sort it out. And also, um, the uniform infractions, is, and I think as well, that even if the uniform's not spot on, it's not perceived in the independent sector to a certain extent, because... I don't know, they all have that certain scruffiness about them. <laughs> I don't know why, but they do. And they go, well, that's fine, they all look lovely. Um, but um, at the end of the day, I don't think we go around beating them up, or not beating them up, but sending them to detention because their shirt isn't... I don't think I've ever done that in the independent sector, ever given out, we call them demerits or strikes, for uniform. So we have no excuses, so they don't count towards their kind of thing but if they get seven of them then they get a detention so they've got kind of seven chances to kind of make sure that they kind of get it right but it is it is that thing like the fact that so many schools were kind of in the news I know that teacher bashing in the news is quite a, a popular hobby of the media but there were so many of, of women's or mums or dads standing with their kids and being like my child was sent home because they had the wrong shoes on or they were sent home because they had uh, one too many piercings or they were sent home because their hair was the wrong color I was like I I just don't know how that benefits that child I get that they really want to hammer home their message and and get it correct but at what detriment because you're now gonna that kid is going to associate school in a really negative way know that what's happened at that first the start of the term is in inset we've all sat down we've all been told right right guys we're going to hit this policy really hard at the start of term so immediately it's like it's when you're when you're refreshed it's like the and it's the SLT they're out there they're on patrol and they're like hitting these kids hard and sending them home three weeks later they're not caring but the first week because they're like they're all over it like glue I also don't have a huge amount of sympathy for the parents in that situation. This no. Really controversial here. But you know the rules. I mean, I know the rules. The rules are sent to you. They keep sending them to you, whether you like them, whether you don't like them. And I've said I don't like them, but I will follow them. Um, I will, I mean, I will do whatever anybody tells me to do. I, I will question it if I'm sitting in a meeting. I will say, what's the benefit of this? And how, what's it being proven? But um, at the same time, I'm. I don't. I don't support those parents who deliberately buy the Vivian Westwood shoes and send your children into school, knowing that they'll get sent home. That's the thing, and it's it's the knowing that they are not allowed nose studs, but then they get their nose pierced like the week before they go back. And I do kind of understand the health and safety aspect of that, especially if it's the nose, like in respects of and and hoop earrings, they're more likely to get caught in the fact they are going to be playing payee. They are walking through corridors that at some points can have like 500 kids passing through them within half an hour and there's balls and things being thrown around in playgrounds that are not necessarily the biggest of spaces so i do understand from a health and safety point of view that 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 aspect is probably not and especially with the fact that um kind of um school violence is kind of on the rise and and the idea that having split up um 
girls fighting and what have you and they pull hair and they go for each other's faces like that is kind of an area that could easily go wrong if they're wearing those but again it it is their responsibility if they're choosing to do that they've got to know the consequences it's no different from walking through a street in london with all the hustle and bustle but i guess that that, that it's like is that our duty of care that we need to make sure that they're doing those kind of things properly yeah and i mean i always say like you said before they will always find the way to push the boundary um, and you know that what generally happens is we start off this big uniform kick and then we'll start getting told now the girls makeup we need to do something about the girls makeup and you think really okay if they want to glue stuff to their faces uh, like eyelashes and paint their <laughs> eyebrows funny colors but not really giving them any way to self-express so can we not just let them express themselves plus they've got to make mistakes somehow but we don't uh, we don't seem to be comfortable letting children make decisions and um yeah we want to i, I feel like we want to control them is this a, this obediency um and i think we've forgotten how to um how to bring children into the conversation for students into the conversation young adults into the conversation say look what works for you how would this how could we do this better you know how can we teach better i think a negative culture of teaching where we're constantly having to police uniform is not conducive to learning environment i think we need to look at much more positive positive reinforcement of behaviors rather than negative um and i yeah i think we have to move away from this culture of permanently beating down children particularly with mental health issues um and attendance we need to make schools places inviting spaces where children want to come not negative spaces um, where they feel like they're going to be criticised the minute they walk through the door I I would hate to go to one of these schools I would have been the child that absolutely chafed against the rules at one of these schools where and I actually left a job as you know at a school where I just saw the way it was going and I thought nope this is not for me this is not how it's not how I want to teach it's I don't want to teach in a school where children walk along the corridors in silence and they have to be silent until they do a certain task or um, they have to be def- show deference and respect towards teachers if, you know, without it being earned by the teachers. I don't like the use of... We don't, in Scotland as well, we don't use the word... We don't call men, sir. Actually, I, I that was the first time when I had started teaching down here in 2004... 2005 um first time i started teaching down here and i heard um a child refer to male teachers sir i was just like what where are we this is so archaic they don't call them sir we call them by their full names i generally found in any school that i taught in scotland it was you're referred to by your full name and that was the respectful type so um i find that deference is expected rather than them It is that that the students need to kind of build those relationships and kind of understand you. And I think us having this negative kind of start to every day or every Tuesday time, then it is it is going to put barriers in the way. It's going to create barriers where they're not going to tell us what's going on and, and their mental health issues. And they're not going to tell us when we need support because they're not going to kind of let us in. Um, 
I'm just going to play out the news and then uh, we'll find out what's going on in the world of education this week. And then we'll um, continue on with our chat if you're right to hang around for a bit longer. Of course. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes EDAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. Adapt. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The BBC covers reports that Labour has dropped plans to end charitable status for private schools. The status exempts some private schools in England and Wales from taxes. The Labour leader, Sakia Starmer, had previously said charitable status for private schools could not be justified. The party said it will still remove other tax breaks if it wins the next general election. There are around 2,500 private schools in England and Wales and government figures show around half are registered as charities. Having charitable status means the schools cannot operate for profit and are eligible to claim some tax exemptions, including on donations and business rates. Since 2006, private schools have had to demonstrate they are creating public benefit in order to maintain their charitable status. Labour has said it would charge private schools 20% VAT and end business rates relief. It says this could raise an estimated £1.7 billion. A party spokesperson said the money would fund desperately needed teachers and mental health counselling in every secondary school. Last year, the Scottish Government scrapped business rate relief for private schools. The Conservatives have questioned whether tax changes would raise the £1.7 billion as claimed by Labour. The problem of RAC was highlighted again as parents with children at a secondary school in Durham, affected by the potentially unsafe concrete, staged a protest. Parents told schools minister, Baroness Barron, who was visiting the school, that there had to be more support for the teachers and pupils and that the school must be rebuilt. The school is using a mix of face-to-face and online teaching after RAC was found shortly before the return to school from the summer break. The multi-academy trust in charge of the school has asked the DFE if it could use centre-assessed grades for GCSE and A-level pupils, similar to the way assessment was used during the pandemic. A DFE spokesman said it was working to bring back face-to-face teaching quickly and that the school would be rebuilt. Procurement, design and planning stages would be started before the end of the year. Schools Week reports on MPs' comments that government should create a school absence code specifically for mental health and review the adequacy of health services struggling with soaring waiting lists. The Parliamentary Education Committee has also urged the government 
to make its daily attendance data collection mandatory as soon as possible. The committee found growing demand for mental health services and special educational needs support, as well as the cost of living pressures and other issues, have compounded problems with attendance. However, Schools Minister Nick Gibbs said changes would add further complications for schools in coding absence, which could damage the accuracy of data. Full details of the committee's recommendations can be found in the article in Schools Week Online. The Guardian covers news that in America, students at more than 50 high schools across the country are proposing a Green New Deal for schools. They are demanding that their districts teach climate justice, create pathways to green jobs and plan for climate disasters. The campaign is seen as a reaction to right-wing efforts to ban or suppress climate education and activism at school. The national effort would see teach-ins, walkouts and petitions. The New Deal also calls for updated buildings and infrastructure to make schools more climate resilient. Further details can be found on the Guardian website. Finally, the Nuffield Trust has said that student loans in England should be written off for certain health staff once they have completed 10 years of NHS service. It says this is needed to stop a dropout crisis among nurses, midwives and other frontline staff. Ministers have rejected the idea, saying support is already in place and that the current student finance system strikes the right balance between the interests of students and taxpayers as well as highlighting training grants, support for childcare and some expenses. Tuition fees are not charged in Scotland, and in Wales, tuition fees are covered if nurses and other frontline staff work for the NHS for two years. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. And... I'm just looking through some of the pros and cons um, to uniform. So um, we've been through a few of these. So uh, build school uniform, school spirit is one. Um, another is that it says that there's less bullying in school. But actually there's a report in America, um, the grant was done quite a while ago, uh, between 1993 and 1995, that um, the introduction of school uniform doesn't necessarily mean that there's less bullying um, and it's just down to the way that teachers consider that it does but we don't but there's not much data in terms of the opposite and I think as you said unless you have like one of those bigger studies and actually we look at kind of Germany and um, I believe Spain and there's a couple of other countries that don't have uniforms that, that they can't be having a higher amount of bullying from not having uniforms otherwise they would have brought back uniforms or put uniforms in um, and that actually sometimes in terms of kind of you can you can see the differences in terms of uniforms not washed or being unkept regardless of whether they're wearing uniform or not um, and actually school uniforms increase the average number of assaults by about 14 um, per year in certain schools um, in America where they looked at the different versions Um so I, I think I think that's just the perception, isn't it? That uniform stops bullying. But actually, you can still tell whether people are, are trying to identify differently or um, what their background is and, and what their home life is like. You can still see that even in their uniforms. I also, um, growing up in an area where um, religious 
um, issues were rife. So growing up in the west coast of Scotland, where um, sectarianism is actually a very big issue in secondary schools and still children are segregated based on faith. So, for example, my primary school, my local primary school, I went to a non-denominational primary school, but across the road was uh, the Roman Catholic primary school. And again, you are clearly segregating and identifying those children based on their school uniform. And I do wonder how you create almost a, a, it can be a negative tribalism with the school uniform and you can also create a, a slight gang mentality culture with having uniforms. So seeing that it's a, you know, it can create foster um, community spirit. I, I'm, I don't think in that sort of circumstance of um, where sectarian, sectarianism, now I know they've done a lot on this and it's certainly much less of an issue as it was growing up. But um, I think that it can create division in neighbourhoods where children have um, gang culture, they're then aware which school that you actually go to. Um, so I don't see how that works. I think what we're saying here, Hannah, is that we should be paid to do a huge study. <laughs> Me and you will take it on. Yeah, we'll just take it on. We'll just go out there and actually, because I do think that, I think that it's so easy to have no data on it and therefore prop the system up. Uh, then actually go out there and, and I, th- I, I think that's a sad indictment in the educational data is the fact that education now is not something that people go um, go educational sort of theory or whatever um, at university level it's it's, un- it's poorly funded and we don't have enough research out there particularly within our own educational system and we're constantly getting initiatives and ideas pushed our way that we don't necessarily agree with or are well thought out or actually researched to a high degree. Um, and I think that behavioural policy, uniform policy are two areas where we're just expected to put up with it and, and say, well, no, this is the way we're going. You think, but what's the research? What backs this up? Particularly from my point of view as a scientist, um, I just, I'm just, I disagree with it fundamentally, but I also disagree with it. From a mathematical point of point of view, where's the evidence? What is there to support this archaic system, other than adults like it? <laughs> it is that, and I was. I suppose there is that sense that the being spotted by uniform can work both ways. I have a friend that um, their son was spotted shoplifting in a shop, and um, they uh, they recognised the school uniform on the CCTV, so they phoned the school and told the school and they called the parents and the parents had to go in and they were like well, like he's been caught doing this it was only just I think it was like some football cards or something and then actually he is they went in and watched the security footage and, and showed him it and he had like a little bit of a uh, slap on the wrist but nothing was done about it but it, it is that that we can it, the kind of antisocial behavior outside of school can be spotted but then also their antisocial behavior is then subjected and put onto the school that they're not good with like it's not our responsibility what they're like outside of school but it's still deemed publicly if they're done it in the school uniform that that's somehow our responsibility i know and as we come up to the time of halloween as all schools then get send the message out to children saying 
uh, you must, it's Halloween, you really must um, not bring the scale into disrepute as if we're a local parentis. Um, yeah, I mean, I find that all, again, find it all very odd how we're expect well you know you've probably spoken about this a lot but i mean it's it's the abdication of parental responsibility and um and then parenting through the state which because parents are tired they work hard and they're having to work hard because they're having to make ends meet uh, you know schools are having to plug plug this very definite gap by the being set up um in the system and children are, are already set up to fail um, and I, I just feel that uniform is such a, a stick to beat everybody with, and they're such bigger things. We need to be looking at literacy. We much looking at literacy. Yeah. Needs. We need to be looking at. Um, I genuinely think we need to be looking at children's mental health. Um, I think it's it's a time bomb ticking. Um, and attendance. This idea that oh, um, if we all drive round and collect them and bring them into school, that's going to make it better. <laughs> The reason why they don't want to be in school, can we actually look at the reasons why children don't want to be in school? The curriculum's not fit for purpose. Um, the fact that there's no really special schools, not enough special school places, so we're putting children into quite harmful situations um, that they shouldn't necessarily be in. So you've got children with autums, autistic spectrum disorders um, having to um, navigate a mainstream a mainstream system with very little support um, and it's could you imagine being in a, a high school of 1,700 pupils um, and constantly particularly if you have a spectrum disorder constantly being told about uniform or how to walk or it's it's an incredibly stressful high stress environment with lots of very negative rules and consequences. Um, and I just think that's not what education should be about. Education should be about creating an environment where children want to learn, that they can be creative, they can they will learn to give back to society. And, you know, it's, it, it wasn't the reason why I got into teaching. And it's, like I say, I've taught in many different, I've taught in, um, from a perspective point of view, I've taught in a, a cure unit, and this is going way back when. And we certainly didn't have uniform in the secure unit. Um, and I don't, the behaviour was not dictated by what the children wore. And I can tell you that. It certainly was not about what the children wore that dictated their behaviour or their sense of belongingness. I mean, it was. That's the thing, it's their ability to be able to deal with situations and build resilience in them is far more important than getting them to wear the right colour uniform and i think it's a i i, I mean i i will say that that my um i did uh interview my tutor group and i was like asked them a little bit about their uniform one student did say that they felt quite swanky in their uniform um and they're like you must say that but a lot of them said like they actually said that the best part of their uniform is it's so hit and miss as well some of them said the best part of their uniform was their blazers where others were like, I very much, they don't like the big shoulder pads. And actually, when we buy stuff, you, you're not really going to find kind of big shoulder pads in in high street shops. That isn't what normal people wear. We don't go out in these big kind of suits. We do dress like we're in the 80s, except for Joan Collins marching through Dynasty. No, we don't. And we also don't wear polyester like it goes out of style. I mean, has anybody... 
Has anybody done any sort of flammability tests on it? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's honestly, it's like you, you laugh, but you do wonder, like, that in terms of, I suppose, uh, yeah, they must have done. But anyway, I just, I don't, the polyester, if anybody has never felt a school uniform, um, I'm not I'm not advising you cost a child in the street and stroke them. But what I have seen is if you ever get the opportunity to actually feel the 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 blazers, it's the most bizarre, like shiny material. And then you have the problem of jackets. I mean, the, oh my gosh, the problem when we get into winter, oh the yeah, jacket debacle, and that gets debated in the staff room, and you're sitting there in the staff room going. Please, can we not talk about coats? I just, I'm not interested in coats. I just, please stop it. Um, yeah, so the children will wear, they will try to get as designery a coat as possible. They can shove over the top of a blazer and tuck the blazer up. Because they still have to wear their blazers. Yeah. They yeah. tuck that blazer up and, into like a little crushable ball underneath the jacket. And you just like this is insanity that cannot be comfortable, um, but no, they they uh, yeah, and I am I am equally as as um, bereft as all parents when the children come home and they say they must have a North Face jacket. Yes, my friend had that. Her son wanted a North Face. They're like three hundred pounds or something. It's insane. And I'm also seriously gutted because about uh, about ten years ago they were they were you could pick them up like in any sports sporting good shop for a reasonably cheap price. And I actually own a couple of North Face jackets from about ten years ago when they weren't fashionable. I find it really bizarre. But um, yeah, they're like so expensive, and you just think th- this would not get so out of control if it was the only way that children could express themselves is through their coats and their shoes and their bags. So they have to be wearing the most expensive item they can get hold of. And we have to just, we're prisoners to it. Um, Yeah, I just find it all, yeah. But anyway, so I I am guilty of having bought North Face jackets, but not the really expensive. (laughs) But it's like you said when you said about the blazers, that uh, I've got a child in my tutor group that um, has really struggled now that he's moved into year 10 and got a new jacket that it's just really stiff and really uncomfortable and it's set off because he's got other uh, learning needs, but it's set off all his sensories and he cannot wear it. It just makes him really uncomfortable. And I just don't think we even think about that kind of side of how uncomfortable a uniform is. If you have a testic spectrum disorder or even AD, and not even this, of course that's awful, but if you have ADHD or anything where you have a sensory, you're hyper aware of the texture of materials, Yet you're forced into wearing some non-wicking polyester uh, stiff material, particularly with a collar. Um, I've seen children who you can tell they just look uncomfortable from the moment they come in to the moment they leave. And it's you if you know that if you could put something soft on them, they would be immediately happy. Um, and I have a child who's like that. Um, she, not identified as having any disorders but certainly needs to wear solid clothing at all times and would not choose ever to wear a school unit on if they could um one of the other cons is obviously that it it teaches gender norms that there is a boys and a girls uniform obviously like trousers come in but that we did see a lot in the summer where i think there was a we had 
we had it at our school. We had one boy protest and wore uh, a girl's skirt. And actually, our kids did it the right way. They um, did student voice and they created a, a survey and they got everyone to vote. And then because uh, they wanted shorts for boys because previously boys weren't allowed to wear shorts in summer. And actually, the school allowed it. And now the boys are allowed to wear shorts, um, which is, is just perfectly normal and acceptable. Um but I do think there is that side of it that it's it's this is what boys wear and this is what girls wear. Um, and there isn't that kind of, obviously there's the trousers, but there's not really a lot of place for them to express themselves without getting told off. Look at where we are just now with the government refusing uh, or being dragging its heels to get to give schools any sort of guidance on children who are having who are having gender identity issues or, you know, who need support. And this is what it is. Children need support navigating the hideousness of childhood as is. And we are, we are actually, we are really detrimentally not helping these children by having these strict draconian sort of rules about you must conform to either being a boy or girl. We must be in a boy or girl's uniform. And I had this problem with my child. Um, this was previously and she was in an an independent school and she wanted to wear trousers and um, they they were no they were they said how did they put it it was a it was a really clever way of phrasing it but it was along the lines of you must choose a uniform and adhere to it so you must choose a boy's uniform or girl's uniform and you must stick to it which makes absolutely no sense because you're not saying you want to wear one uniform or the other what what she wanted to do was to wear trousers but in the summer wear a summer dress but that was seen as picking and choosing uniforms and I thought that's clever what you've done is you've made it so they can't she can't choose to wear trousers they've since changed that rule but at the time I thought genius you you you're trying to find loopholes around that sort of way of making children conform into a particular um, standard. But I think that this idea that, you know, boys must wear uh, uh, boys must wear trousers even in sweltering heats. And you saw that at uh, the start of term. People where children were um, really hot having to wear jumpers and blazers in classrooms because it was school uniform policy. And we're looking at through climate change and we're seeing the temperatures soar you know to astronomical you know up 40 degrees but yet we still expect them to wear school uniform um and you would be wearing like linens and cottons but no we're making children wear polyester and synthetic materials so you can't sweat through and say but it's a uniform and you must wear it because that's the rules and we have rules and you're like but why do you have rules these rules make no sense it is that, and I've got um. So this stat is I find quite interesting. So seven in ten UK students believe that school uniform helps them to fit in, but it's quite interesting that it actually decreases as they get older. So six to seven year olds, seventy five think percent think that their uniform helps them fit in. Eleven year olds, it drops to sixty percent think their uniform helps them fit in. And when they hit fourteen, it drops to fifty seven percent think that their uniform helps you fit in. And it's always one of those that when they're at nursery, we send them all to nursery in their own clothes. Because we have special nursery clothes so that they get ruined and it doesn't matter. But it's quite interesting that actually kind of we then put them in school uniform to go to 
school and we have these beautiful pictures on our front doorsteps and stuff, which is lovely. But actually, kind of the older they get, the less that actually it helps them fit in. I just, I think we're just taking away that sense of identity. And like I say, like there is shown in schools, for example, schools in Germany, that children know how to address for the weather. They know how to dress appropriately. They know the difference between formal and informal attire. But we, we never give the children to flex those muscles to um, explore. And I think the first time they actually, apart from nursery, the first time they get to explore their own identities when they hit sixth form. And like you say, the wheels come off for that first couple of weeks until they go, do you know what, I'm a wee bit cold in that. I think I'll wear, you know, something a bit more comfortable and they slide back into joggers and they actually start to look like they've just rolled out in their pyjamas by the end of it, which is like quite pleasing. You're thinking, oh, we can't address like that. And I also, I don't know, if, has your school ever brought in any policy for staff? We've got policy, but it's not overly rigid compared to other schools that I've been at where it has to be like uh, people have been told about what they're wearing um, I think the main one is, is the kind of closed toe shoes uh, for safety but I have been at schools where people have said oh your dresses aren't long enough not to me but to other people and I'm um, or commented on it um, but again I just think I think it's nice to see different teachers expressing and it's that whole idea isn't it that some policies have like you have to have tattoos covered up and things like that but actually we live in a society where like having their teacher cover that up isn't going to they're going to see it on youtube and uh, instagram and all these other places like we're not hiding anything from them like i feel like we need to be more normal to students that we're not this kind of almost like police role above them that actually we are just people like them and we're essentially more second parents to them and we want them to do well and, and we care for them and, and we're a safe space as opposed to being this authority figure that like dictates everything down to them we've almost got as there, there is a policy in place at school and it does state that we have to dress you know informal attire we have to dress and men are expected it doesn't see it in it but it's, it is an unwritten code that men are expected to wear ties which I think is utterly ludicrous. I mean, what is the point in ties? Have you ever looked at where ties point? It's really inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the men are expected to wear ties. And there's also a weirdly unwritten sort of policy that, that you know, it's just, it's sort of pushed about and sort of said, you know, like in inset days, we're expected to dress quite smartly in inset days, um, just in case parents turn up, as bobotide of parents usually looking, you know, a bit like a burst cushion but him I just I I I think I dress very smart for school anyway but that's more about um it's it's more about I, I dress smartly but I dress comfortably so I always wear a yeah. shoe when I was younger I would wear a high heel shoe I mean like what was I thinking running about in high heels teaching well you know I did I wore like sky high heels and you know, and short skirts and, you know, whatever made me feel like I had feel good to get the job done. And I, nowadays, I suppose I'm much more comfortable. I'm jealous of people who get to wear trainers to work. I think, yeah. yeah, I'm jealous of the PE department. I mean, I do wear, well, prior to breaking both my feet, 
I did wear heel boots and because I like the height over the teenage boys that I teach and and I like the clippity cloppity noise that it makes behind kids that makes them kind of work without me having to say something. But I know a friend that's gone into senior leadership and they've been told that they have to wear smart. They should look better than everyone else because they're SLT. And and the fact they had open evening, I think they were in heels for like 12 hours and were like, my feet are dead. I was like, that's just not necessary. Um, Torture chambers. <laughs> to be a anything nowadays. I, I'm 40, 46 years old. I refuse to wear high heels even now for an event. Um, but I just, I would love to be able to wear trainers. And I just think for safety, actually, physically, I would love to see somebody do like one of those like roadmaps of what you do in a day, like put like a GPS tracker on you. Yeah. And then like follow like, like, like a little zigzaggy line to see how much you move in a day and see like, Clearly, this is a very physical job. You should be really wearing leggings and t-shirt and, and a comfy top rather than when you think about what we're kind of expected to wear. And so we all do it because we're nice, hairy animals. So we all wear a nice dress because I like a dress. Wear a dress um, and spoon fed to tights. <laughs> I have that debate with my tutors. They're like, hey, tights. Go to tights, nope. yeah. I mean, we're... I mean, I'm so glad the weather stayed warm and played ball. I'm not going near tight. I don't understand them. But um, yeah, just think, could we all just as a society just go, do you know what? We've had COVID. We liked being at home in comfy clothes. Can we not just all have comfy clothes now? They're nice. You know? I felt really naughty wearing leggings because I was in my boot for so long and I wore leggings for ages to work with. And I made sure I wore like kind of quite big jumper dresses over the top so nothing was seen but I couldn't wear like jeans and stuff because if I wore the boot all day they would dig in like where the seams were but I just felt like like I was really letting myself down and I must have looked like a shambles I think we just put so much expectations but then I'm like I would fit in well all right with the PE department so why am I making myself feel like this no I mean the the one day I think I think last year I wore like a, a navy trouser that could have looked a bit denim like, but it wasn't. It was a navy trouser with gold buttons up the side. A nice wee pair of tan boots. I thought I was nailing it. Somebody said to me, he said, oh, you look different today. You're a little bit casual. And I was like, oh, I thought I looked quite smart. And then you kind of think, oh, am I casual? Can I be casual? Um, so it's bizarre. We all have to navigate this. We're not teaching children how to do this, how to navigate society of what, you know, like how to deal with what is a casual, formal or whatever setting. Because we are still navigating it as adults and we still don't really know what the rules are and we're hoping we're getting it right. I mean, God forbid, you know, a man felt uncomfortable because her skirt or her dress length was not quite correct for them. <laughs> I just might <laughs> that one. I used to get that all the time when I was a young teacher, not nowadays, obviously. Um, but in my 20s, I remember getting taken aside. Um, actually, I remember getting taken aside in my teaching practice and we told, um, I told two major things. I'll tell you another story in a minute. But um, told, oh, that skirt is a little bit, you know, it's a bit, you know, makes men feel a bit uncomfortable. God forbid the men feel uncomfortable. Um, and what about the boys? Well, the boys shouldn't be looking at me like that, but, you know. But what can you do? You know, it's that's their choice. That's their decision, not mine, right? The boys are going to see much worse online than what we're wearing. I know. Anyway, when I started teaching this, again, 
ages ago. We had, we had something called a regent in the school and the regent was the person who was responsible for the student teachers. And she took us into the office and she was ex-military and she said, and this was only in 2000, she said, um, now in some schools, women wear trousers. And that's fine in those schools, but at this school, women do not wear trousers. I was just like, what? That's crazy. You can't, sorry, I can't wear a trouser. I have to wear a skirt to work. And then, you know, like, and I, and I laugh about that now, but we do that to children. Yeah. Skirts. It's just, and, you know, if that's not your default setting, if you're not comfortable wearing skirts, and the first thing we do then is, the girls then will be like, well, I don't want to be a skirt, I want to be a trousers. So we're really skinny trousers full. That, yes. Oh my goodness. Then that's like, uh, well, let's all have a meeting about the trousers that girls are wearing now. Can we not have a meeting about jackets, trousers, socks, anything, shoes? I'm not interested in what they're wearing. Now just get them in my class. You just get them in there. I'm interested in. And I find this stat quite interesting that 89% of teachers believe that uniform reduces bullying. 61% of parents believe uniform reduces bullying. But students, only 50% believe that uniform reduces bullying. And they're the one that's going to, they're the ones that are going to know. We're not necessarily, we're always like asking the teachers and we're like, yeah, yes, good uniform. That's going to prevent bullying in our school. And it's like, but actually does it? And we're not really necessarily listening to the student voice. I think we quite, and rightly so, we do listen to the, the teacher voice. I think quite often we have a lot of these educational kind of uh, advisors that don't actually kind of have much education experience kind of being involved in policies. But actually, we need more kind of student kind of guidance because the world is changing. And like you said, from what it was from when I started teaching to now, teaching is very, very different. And the classroom is very different now to when I was in the classroom. And and we are out of touch with what it's like to be children in today's world with so much exposure to different online social media and platforms and things. And we need to kind of think about how we need to change education to adapt to it. I do think kind of uniform is that next step. It certainly needs to be adjusted that it's not these see-through, poorly fitted shirts um, or these uncomfortable kind of blazers that are actually covered in germs or um kind of too tight and uncomfortable kind of scenarios we need to produce something and change uniforms so it is comfy and nice and wearable not something we don't need ties because they're never going to need to wear a tie unless they get to a wedding but it it we need to make it and adapt it to suit now in this generation there's teachers i don't again you've been teaching for a fair few years is that we're not in the workplace so we don't we're in our workplace but not what is their workplace so we don't genuinely have a good feel for what children are going to do in the future from that point of view and i think they're also in school apologies sorry that i went too early everything's going off my phone's going off it's because we're here half seven we've been chatting too much 
<laughs> you finish your sentence. I do apologise. See, I was going to say maybe we should build, bring in businesses as well. What do they need? To, what's the what's the uniform future? Bring in yeah. What what do what do they want to see people wearing? <laughs> I don't think it's shoulder. Pads. It's not shoulder pads. It's not shoulder pads. Is the answer? <laughs> don't please get rid of the shoulder pads. Well, thank you. Apologies for that. I was like, uh, I just went to get the mouse in the right place and it and it accidentally clicked. So apologies. Um, but we have chatted for well over an hour and a half. And and thank you for joining me and giving me your lovely views. Tell Ross I'm coming for him next. <laughs> oh, he's dull. He was, he's such a deputy head. He'll just be like, no, follow the rules. Follow the rules. <laughs> Maybe I can maybe I can convert him to changing. That's the, that's the thing he wants. He wants to bring back Latin. So you know, um, it says a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does actually. It does. Well, have a lovely evening, and thank you for joining me uh, on this lovely Monday evening. No, thank you, Hannah. It's been a pleasure. Cheerio. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.